0: The hard yards brought to you by Sports Joe. It's
1: gone to the short side. It's got to the short side. It's gone to the trailer. And try
0: and I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this team, not you.
1: Hi Rob, Z here. Just want to discuss
0: the captaincy next. Just
1: call it. And Ring Rose comes through. Oh brilliant from Ring Rose! Ringrose is going here. What a score!
2: Hello and welcome to the Hard Yards. We are episode number 60 today and for it bit of a nice quiet weekend of rugby action. Mixed bag for the Irish provinces, Leinster booked their place in Bilbao after the week win over the Scarlets on Saturday. But Munster could not make it an All-Ireland affair on Sunday in Bordeaux against a very, very impressive wrestling team. To discuss the action, I'm joined by sports show reporter Pat McCary. Pat, how are you? Good, thank you. And Mr James Downey. Jimmy, how are you? Morning. Um, we're delighted to say that Dunica Ryan will be joining us on the line later from France, and Fresh have his return from injury and back from France. Keith Earls will be in studio to chat with Pat McCarry a little later. So, lads, fair play. Uh, you called it. I went for romance with a Leinster Monster final. You didn't. You were their hard hand of reality, and you said Racing would do it well. Done, lads.
3: No, I, uh, lads. no pleasure, no pleasure. No, no, no. Obviously, we both would have loved that romantic final of uh leinster munster but luck wasn't to be um but i guess if we're going to jump into it straight away it's like like h- how good were they, were leinster you know they mm. were absolutely superb everything they, were. they did yeah Just it
2: was amazing to watch um it was fascinating to watch a rematch of last season's uh pro 14 or pro 12 as mm. it was semi final mm. leinster had learned all the lessons and my god did they turn up
4: yeah, it was it was it was brilliant to see, and, and like having been to the the Saracens game, and then the um, the Scarlets games, so or the quarterfinal, the semi-final like the Saracens game seemed much more gladiatorial like you know there was just big collisions and guys smashing into each other but Scarlett's just got blown away and apart from maybe the first five or five or ten minutes it looked like it might have been a contest Burn had a good turnover at the start then Leinster just put the foot down and um, yeah the likes of um, again someone wouldn't get that much credit normally De- someone like Devin Toner was clearing out way beyond the ruck as well and then any time they were going to go over the breakdown they just got absolutely Scarlett's boys got bashed out of it, bashed out of the way and then you had one of the Best games in Europe you'd ever see from like someone like Johnny Sexton who just controlled everything and the the, the boys kind of called the shots up front but then Sexton just the,
3: the plays he called on the hoof were, were absolutely brilliant. It's it was game plan played to a tee like you know I think everything that Leinster did came off um, the the huge threats for for Scarlet you're talking about everyone had mentioned during the week about the back rows and. Actually, they were nullified completely. Yeah. Um, and you're talking as well. We spoke before with burn in there as well, and and Shingler over the ball, and and uh, Barkley and Davies. They were nowhere. They were absolutely blown away. The speed of ball that Lenser got was crazy. It was like you're looking at four to six seconds. I think it's four seconds. Um, to get a defensive line organised, but Lencer were just, as Pat had mentioned, like Devon Toner clearing past, everyone knew their jobs, everyone was taking one player, one defender was taking out one player. And when you get to beat the ball, regardless of how good your defence is, you can't cope with that consistently lads running at the line like that and but but also their ability to retain possession was huge mm.
2: uh, We have a clip here of Johnny Sexton speaking after the match about that game plan
0: uh, Look the, the game plan today was probably what we tried what we to do last year um, you know you, you need to play a little bit different against the Scarlet's you need to be more direct because they've got 14 guys in the line uh, on their feet and you've got to punch your holes in their defence as opposed to trying to get around them you're never going to really get around them and I think at times last year we tried to go around them and we, we got caught out. Um, and Today we uh, picked our moments when we went wide a lot better. So. Um, but again, you can, you can try and go through them if you don't have the calibre of ball carrying that we had. Um, well, then it won't work. So fairness to the forwards, they front it up time and time again. And Robbie as well. <laughs>
2: So that kind of sums up what you were saying there but I thought it was a fascinating piece that he said that you, you have to change what you're doing to play against the Scarlets you can't just go wide because they love that you go straight down the middle and Leinster went straight down the middle the the, the Fardy try after half time I think it was the 49th, 50th minute yeah, yeah. when you saw the carry first by Sexton a little half break Um, and then uh, it was Dan Levy's one handed carry which was (laughs) just Mm. absurd followed by James Ryan carrying it almost to the line pops up to Fardy Fardy gets over that was a straight line and it was just amazing to see that power
3: yeah I think um, um, Johnny touched on it there with Robbie Henshaw coming in there and straightening the line Um, he ran some great lines you know really put that scarlet defence under pressure the scarlet's bringing a bit of line speed as well and Johnny says 14 in the line which is quite interesting because Leinster normally play with 14 in the front line as well and and leave the fullback exposed at the back so it's kind of like right try and beat this gun round here you know but it's very very hard but if you can get that momentum that they have uh, to get in behind it it's, it's very hard to defend but even close to the line I thought some of the Leinster forwards were, were very smart and if they didn't reach the line they actually recoiled and placed the ball perfectly back as opposed to having that extra yard to stretch mm-hmm. for the line and, and they yeah, scored very... the next phase a lot of times how many times do we see forwards kind of get close they go for it and it's not on they got close and they recoiled and they'll score the next phase it's very very quick decision making in those areas yeah if you're not going to make it like Get out of there, you know. Get it back, and we'll score next one. It's it's very selfless, to be honest. That first half of rugby in the stadium, Pat. I mean,
2: there was only one team in.
4: Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, like scarlets. They just were trying to keep in touch with penalties, but they just were not in the game at all. And um, just Ryan, just his power and leg speed of just driving through tackles as well, and and punching holes as well. And then um, a guy who actually I thought had a great game was Fergus McFadden as well. And people would often wonder, um, you know, why he's getting picked for some of these games because you'll have to of Larma or even Adam Byrne who was playing Leinster A at the weekend. Why is McFadden there? And McFadden, apart from one restart that he knocked on, had a brilliant first half, like just scurrying and he was ferocious and. The kick chases he was going after, and even it was a nice, it was a Lencer tactic, like an Ireland tactic, where they're putting high balls up. And Lenser didn't want to win the ball; they just wanted to put Scarlets under pressure. And McFadden was brilliant for that. And um, yeah, they just everybody was on the money. And um, a guy who maybe you mentioned in there after in the second half, Levy, who made a lot of carries, uh, made a lot of bursts in the first half. He was just all about just doing his work around the ruck and the breakdown as well so everybody knew what their job was um, but there was a good one I think Charlie Morgan in the Telegraph spotted um, one, as you said they defend with 14 on the line but Sexton at one stage spotted Steph Evans was over the wrong side mm. and he just pumped up a high ball and then that ended up McFadden getting close to the line I think then didn't Ryan f- uh, finish it off there Like so yep. it's just they're making plays just you know on, on the spot and everybody knew what they were up to as well Like so it's you know like we, we we might we'll touch on it later on again with Munster Munster would have like a plan A possibly a plan B Lencer were just playing six or seven plays you know if they wanted to call this call that and everybody knew what they were doing so um, just I think the word that a lot of people mentioned was just a machine and relentless and, and it was just so impressive like Scarlett said they were out on their feet you know after
3: 40-50 minutes and their, their percentage plays that they're playing but they the right percent and like if Johnny's making a cross field kick you expect or he knows that Ferg's going to put the guy on the press yeah. like you know and regardless of he can make a bad kick into a good kick with a great chase and Leinster do that when they do make decisions it's very calculated it's simple um, and everyone knows their jobs and again I think in converse to um, when we talk about later on Munster about guys knowing their jobs I think it's Leinster are as you say a machine and it's going to be, be tough to stop them
2: Robbie Henshaw's entrance back into rugby after that unfortunate injury against Italy in the act of try scoring or
3: something else. It's, it's just, like, I know last week I said that oh, Robbie was back training, and I was like, Not a chance. Like, you know, I was like on, he's had a shoulder reconstruction 10 weeks ago. 10 weeks ago, he was getting oxygen at the side of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and I was like, No way. Like, you know, to come back to that intensity of a game, he was superhuman effort from him. Unbelievable. Everything he did, he tackled ferociously. Um, again, I think the partnership with him and, and Ring Rose. The stuff, they dovetail perfectly between each other in attack and in defence. Again, I think, uh, I don't want to take away from Robbie, but I think Ringrose defensively astute again and how he do- goes about things makes very difficult things look really easy. And people take that for granted, I think, and what he does. Um, but Robbie, I thought, was immense, uh, given the fact that he hasn't played rugby in 10 weeks and to come back with that performance, like... As I say, I was like going, no, he wouldn't put him in. I'd leave Easter there, and put right decision and fair play to him. Hats off. Mm.
4: Yeah, there was it was a nice moment actually speaking of Ringrose, where he there was Scarlett had an overlap and Ringrose was just doing this thing where he's almost like Sexton did against uh, it was a Scotland, where he's backing off and backing off, and he's making them make the decision. And then when they finally went to pass it, he sprinted forward and forced a mistake and got a turnover from them. Like but like we were talking to Stuart Lancaster last Monday and he was talking about Henshaw hitting these record markers and best speeds ever and and I kinda of said to him afterwards, like that's all well and good, but how about his shoulder, like, you know? And and Lancaster said we wouldn't put him in if he wasn't a hundred percent. But and, and Henshaw had no problem testing that shoulder early on and just showing everybody that it's it's good. So um yeah, I don't know what kind of how they taped it up or what they did to him, but uh there'll be more people going
3: in, you know, can I have what Robbie Henshaw had? Yeah, it's, it's, but it's those ret- like obviously the the backroom staff and Lens have done a great job, it's those return to play protocols that you'd normally hear about for concussion, but there's a there's a there's a there's a map a roadmap of how you come back from an injury and I guess they'd kind of penciled this one in this date so if they could get him back and if he'd he'd reached each marker each time they take it off and um, they will have tested the shoulder he will yeah. have tackled of course like and it's not as if he's hitting bags he mm-hmm. would have gone live tackling how are you feeling earlier on the week okay. a couple of academy players right <laughs> yeah exactly how aggressive do we yeah. want to go it's not <laughs> going to have one of the biggest players running at you. You, just, you ease into it but it's just confidence really and look at the confidence that he brought on in that weekend and as I say I applaud it to the backroom staff but especially to him for, for working that hard to get back
2: so we've got a lot of players who've had a lot of success this season already involved in that game um, but they're greedy for more and Rob Kearney spoke about that after the game
1: you get really greedy you know you want more um, you know you we're in a club where we're surrounded by so many ambitious competitive people um, the team is doing really well tracing for silverware and you know there's there's nothing worse than having to watch that from a couch somewhere else from not being involved so um, you know, you're a part of something really special, and winning is, you know, it's it's such a, a great feeling. And the more you win, the more you want to win, and the more trophies you get, the greedier you get for more. Um, you know, so I suppose you know that's what built it, greed in a in a in a nice way. Yes,
2: yeah, so that was Rob Kearney. Um, what does that remind me of?
1: Greed, for lack of a better word, is
2: good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. So, Rob Kearney in braces, (laughs) contrast, collar and cuffs, big Gordon Gecko. But he's right. When you're at this stage of your career, you have to be greedy because you do not know when these chances are going to come again. And you know the seasons where you haven't had the chance and this is their chance.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think when you get to the stage of your career when you're at the end and you kind of want to well he's not at the end but like when you want to actually like you're judged on what you win when you finish you know and like uh, as opposed to just oh you've done great in a couple of games it's actually right what have you won you go well I've won all this and I've won all that and Rob's been lucky enough to have been on numerous teams that have won uh, an awful lot of silverware and he just has that you can hear it in his voice Um, he has that hunger but it's the the squad I think as well that drives the standards that uh, push for near perfection I think Um, that you have someone in who who comes into the squad and they have to add something they've got to add value onto the side be it something off field on field wherever it needs to be they have to bring value to the team and to have that winning mentality and to have that drive when you do win uh, I think uh, I haven't won that much if anything I'm trying to think (laughs) Uh, I've won a Pro 14 or Pro 12 but like it's to keep having that hunger year in year out to keep coming back to keep pushing himself and Rob's had what a year he's had as well uh, in credit to him Mm. like he's he's been there he's been the forefront the whole time when naysayers come in and said is going to be there or he's going to be out yeah. it bats him away quite easily to be honest mm-hmm. you know, and his performances consistently have been super he's in a great season
2: and he was carrying the ball and he was going into contact with violence <laughs> you know with extreme aggression I mean, in common with everyone it was, it was a drive hard we're not looking for offloads here especially in that first half we are going into contact hard and there'll be people with you
4: yeah you'll be backed up yeah that's a big thing as well and um, yeah you, you kind of mentioned that about the, the lads coming in as well it's just that like look at the two boys who kind of really stepped up the season Levy and, and James Ryan like we, we spoke to Todd Byrne after the game and he was saying James Ryan is being flagged as a prodigy from the age of 15 and he said he played for him even when he was at Lansdowne. like Ryan would be coming in to train with the older lads and Uh, like these two guys are coming in and yeah they're just coming in and taking jerseys off people and Levy is a guy who's if you ever talk to him like or you hear him talking like he's so confident in himself as well like so you have a guy like that coming in and he's like that's my jersey and he's backing up performances then the older lads are going "I I have to you know like we've got something special here and we could win something this season so sometimes I'm sure James you probably would see that as well it's like a feeling sometimes kicks off in a squad where like this this is we've got a good team we have to we have to make this count
3: yeah no i think uh, completely and i think you you know when you have that that buzz around the group that that confidence is there um, of that we're not going to lose this you know and this is ours for the taking and regardless of what's going on externally internally we 100% believe mm. in what we're trying to do and you can see that with lencer everything they do they're doing well at the moment and it's just getting better and better you know and like as you say when you've a young guy coming in driving standards pushing the rest of the senior players who who aren't going to be complacent who aren't going to be lax and rely on oh look I've been here I've done it it's like actually no hang on if i if i'm off point point 2 or 3% the next person is going to take my spot so it's 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 bringing the level up each week
2: so we talked last week, uh, coincidentally, about foreign imports and the best foreign imports. Uh, Scott Fardy, you, Jim, you just talked about people come in and they must add something. Fardy has added something. Yeah. Um, we've seen on the field, he's now transferred into uh, the back row. Um, but yeah. that isn't, at the start of the season, we just said, yeah, yeah, you lock, whatever, He's has mm. in the back row but it's because of James Ryan mm, you yeah. have to fit James Ryan into this team and with all the back row injuries yeah it's great but Fardy has brought something um, and uh, both Jonathan Sexton and Rob Kearney were talking about that as well after the game on Saturday
1: yeah I think absolutely he was outstanding today um, you know he's, he's one of those four lads who are nominated for, for player of the tournament as well so he's shown that consistency right throughout yeah um, Oh, I think the most impressive thing about Scott is probably off the field what he's doing to the younger guys and his coaching and mentoring to to some of those. Um, but the manner in which he turned up today was was incredible, and you know a, a massive credit to him.
0: Yeah, Rob Rob Touchnet has been uh, immense on and off the pitch, um, through the Six Nations, uh, even through November internationals, um, and that's why it's so important that that the clubs sign these quality. Um, Foreigners and, and professionals, because uh, I don't think James Ryan would be the players being this season without Scott Fardy you know, uh, helping him along, and um, you know those back row guys as well. He, he coaches them, and, you know, gives them advice, and, and he's been brilliant. And he's had a huge impact on the group. He doesn't train as hard in the gym as, as Brad Thorne does. Uh, <laughs> I don't he goes to the gym actually, uh, but he, yeah, it's. Um, yeah he, Like guys come in Different guys come in Over the years Obviously East has had the, the biggest impact Of on uh, Conte uh, On me And on the group um, You know The list goes on But it's important That these guys That come in Are quality players Obviously And, and individuals as well And um, yeah He's been us.
2: So again th- this is Scott Fardy it's not just about the on-field impact; it's about the off-field. So he's essentially acting as another coach. To those players. Did, did you ever come across players like that in your career, Jimmy? Who essentially were auxiliary coaching staff?
3: Yeah. Um, just um, when I was here, listening to the clip, there, I just thought of um, my last year playing with George Smith in. Wasps, everything he was coaching guys a breakdown. He was adding value consistently in meetings, standing up, um, even nearly educating the coaches and some sort of things. But at that time, Eddie Jones had brought him in to to assist with England as well, just specifically for breakdown, which is obviously the high regard that they hold him in. But like he was a like off field, he was an unbelievable bloke. Like on field, he'd lead by example, putting his body on the line. He was concussed numerous amount of times and was just always there, thereabouts, you know. But driving standards like and really increasing things and what he's learned and put it on to the younger players and exactly what the lads have said there you can see Farley's adding influence off the field as well and it's kind of like your Rocky Elsoms and your Brad Thorns that Leinster have signed Leinster have been very astute in how they've signed their foreign players and uh, um, I think um, Johnny mentioned it there that they have to add that certain value when they come here like these foreign players they're only allowed to sign a few so they have to be exactly right because if they don't we notice them you know and it's a bit of a disaster mm.
4: yeah because what was it Fardy was there um, ahead of the game and it was somebody talking about it, it was like oh if you, do you want to leave Valencia with an extra star over the, the badge and the personal legacy and he was just like this like personal legacy this means nothing to me like I'm just here for the team and and but it's the way even Jemison Park and Scott Verdi talk about it it's like they just know that they're here to add to the squad and they'll be used whatever they want to be used and like Jameson Gibson Park was talking to us after the game and he was just almost saying it's just like I'm there just filling a gap and if Luke is back I'm happy to step back again, like, and you'd actually believe it when you hear him, like, and he, like that's what Fardy is there for as well. It's like we're here to help Lencer go on to the next stage. It's like it's not about us; we're just there. And I don't know how you find lads like that, but they've they've done well.
2: But isn't that the per- isn't what the PR person wants them to say?
4: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like I'm just
2: here to help the ball club. God yeah. willing, you know. Um, you mentioned scrum half slot. Mm. Uh, we've talked about it in, multi- in numerous weeks. There's obviously the James No knock on as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it? Is it trite to say that anybody could have looked good behind that Leinster pack performance of the weekend?
4: Yeah, like, well, not not really, but like Gibson Park did. He just he just kept things ticking over so much and just picked the right passes, and um, he was just always there, getting like just wrenching the ball out. He knew it was as, as James was saying, it was all about like. Um, Quick ball, quick kick. Like keep it going, keep it going as well. Like in the next man out as well. So he did exactly what he had to do. Like he knew that, um, you know, he wasn't going to be like a maybe Connor Murray or Luke Graham making his own snipes or doing these kind of smart kicks over the top. His job was just to get in there, pass the ball, and and he did that well. I think somebody said he maybe had a box kick that didn't go well at one stage, but you know, not everybody can be Conor Murray.
3: But mm. Je- Gibson Park came in and they would have been delighted with how yeah, he did it. If, if they go, if you're going to pick up one box kick that he made a mess of, that's <laughs> I take that any mm. day. You want your scrum half to come in especially given the pressure given the publicity that it's received um, Gibson Park um, get his catch and pass and all his basics done get the ball away mm. um, organise the forwards control them and he did it perfectly yep right that was the good side
2: of the weekend then um, Munster played we're out of time now aren't we isn't <laughs> it <Yeah>. <laughs> that's <laughs> the end of the show um, that was a serious first 20 from Racing.
4: yeah they was it they like, like it's Munster just got absolutely blown away and it was just like all their functions seemed to fail um, everything that they'd normally fall back on failed uh, wrestling had them worked out to perfection they targeted them where they thought they were weak and they were thought they were soft and um, yeah they just they uh, we, you know we might talk about leaders later on but like they just went after Munster's big players, neutralized them, and then went after what they looked as as the weak spots. And and look at Teddy Tamai he just, you know, he just made hay. And and we'll we'll talk about a good few more players, but like uh, Fakawada was absolutely brilliant, and Shivansi as well. Like so, like you know, that first half was just you felt as they could have been absolutely pumped; like it could have been they could have racked up fifty. Like
3: it it, it was that serious at the start for Massing yeah, no, I completely agree with uh, um, some of the stuff that Pat said. But you kind of like Munster. That was just a disaster start in terms of Munster's game plan. Would have been let's make it a let's make this a real cup match. Let's make this a shit fight because that's what we want to do sometimes, you know. Like it's just frustrate the French because we can we know they tire. We've targeted them, but that start they just. I don't know whether people are going to look into why what happened. Uh, you got to give complete credit to the French, but like were they just a bit a bit slow? You expect Munster to be that pumped emotionally. I know people don't want to hear about the emotionally charged. Everyone has to be uh, cold head and concise and c- controlled and gone out there. But sometimes a bit of passion comes out there. You need to start with passion. You know, <clears throat> control the whole atmosphere, play your way into the game. But they were just just stuck in the starting blocks a little bit and it's extremely frustrating when you're chasing points Then mm. from uh, whatever 23 minutes was it and you know like it's you're in the back foot straight away and the way Munster set out to play it's not that style of rugby
2: No and the three tries I mean they, they all have something in common which is someone simply being done yeah. Either on the outside or with a step inside. Um, and the common person is Teddy Thomas. So, Teddy Toma, we've seen him, he's informed this season. Uh, but he first try does whatman the outside. Second try is a thing of beauty. That mm. Akatawa step inside on the halfway line is
3: gorgeous. Yeah. I think <laughs> when you see the replay of it, it's. Like just for a big man, the subtlety of being able to step off that right foot, it get past sense. Conor did Murray quite easy. like oh. do you know, and it's yeah. Sometimes you kind of have to go. Okay, was it bad defense or no? It's not. It's actually just great attack. And sometimes yeah, things are undefendable, yeah. you know. Yeah, because
4: that was it. Like because you don't often see Conor Murray miss, and he just almost fresh aired him. Like he he, he evaded him that quickly, and then you had John Klein was. You know, he was just—he was a half a step behind, and he reached out and he couldn't hold on to him. And, and then Thomas was gone, and Wooden was was left behind as well. So Conway couldn't do much about it. He had to take uh, Vakawada as well. Like so, um, yeah, he he just—he was—he just burned into them And it's just this kind of guy, Like I know France wouldn't have won the Six Nations or anything like that, but. You know they took a stance on Tama as well, and um, you know, well, they ultimately paid the price. Like, but um, if he had been there for the rest of the, the Six Nations, France could have, you know, put a bit, bit more of a fight. But then, then the third again was just, you know, it was just sensational as well. And, and maybe I think we, uh, we were just chatting a bit, a bit beforehand. You might explain more how he <laughs> he seemed to wrong foot every single Munster player.
3: Yeah, I think on that, it's like it, it gets to a stage where the guys are working so so hard for each other within that group that you see a little break and you see Teddy Sorry, one of the danger players that they have you've identified that previously and when you think that he's just going to go on the outside because he's gone on the outside beforehand you're, you're nearly just working they're all working so hard for each other that it's nearly someone needs to step back and kind of have a minute and kind of go well what happens if he steps back because I think it's three or four players that actually get done on the step that they've gone for the corner it's,
2: the, the, the angle <coughs> from behind the goal is, is remarkable yeah. you know, he t- he turns, and the monster players are still going. Yeah, they're still <laughs>
3: drifting. They're still pegging it to the corner flag. They've got but the blinkers on. <laughs> you know, it's just like get to that corner, stop it, because that's where they're going. Yeah. and normally you'd expect if someone steps back on in the inside that you might have someone trailing on the inside, but to actually do four lads or if, if not more, like on is, the step,
2: is there? Would that? I know it's like would have, could have, but is that a sign that just you know they're already? It's 20 minutes into the game. They're already that far behind. It's just... It's a bit of panic. It's a bit of redhead, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe it's something along those lines. But they're just it's also... They're just trying to do something, make an impact, have... Make a tackle, do something to get them back into the game. You need mm. big moments. Uh, in these in these big games, you need a big moment. Someone needs to make a big turnover and make a big tackle. Um step up and make something happen you know and and they're working hard to do that but nearly overly working Um, and it's just like it was still a great finish to have that step and to accelerate you but what's he doing when he gets over the try line is (laughs) absolutely absurd like I was what like, what are you doing? It's, you know, it's, it's
2: utterly mad. I mean, Maxim could have easily dropped that ball if he was, or turned yeah.
3: around or... And he comes in to high five, he comes in to jump him to celebrate, he gets a ball in the chest, knock on, it's like, what are you doing? To score yeah. a try, it's a hat-trick. I'm not sure, like, I don't know if they spoke to him afterwards. he yeah, you'd the, love to find out in why, In the press yeah. conference. What are, you, like, what are you thinking? Okay, you're not thinking, probably, but like I, I do enjoy the way he plays with a smile on his face and and you can see how zebo 's going to thrive over there you know in that uh, atmosphere but What's he doing? This is why we're not French. Generally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> certainly not myself. But yeah, no, it's yeah. Look, that day fair attitude comes back again.
2: Jesus, I mean, on another day, <laughs> that is one. That is one of the all-time balls up
4: clips. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I, I imagine if yeah, because then they would have had themselves kind of doubting themselves, and then Munster would have been like, "We've got out of jail here," and um, oh, like I could have, could have, because you could see like if you watch the slow motion, like. There's a split second where Machinel was just like, like I have, I have to catch this okay. thing here now because I think maybe he even thought he would put it down like because he'd he'd almost gone over, stopped, and then turned around. He and, turned around, yeah. yeah so yeah. the boys might have even thought like, as he scored this, you would have just be following up and support, and um, oh, it could it could have been a disaster, but it, but it wasn't. And then um, I think that's what we talked about. Why they all raced over so much? It could just be a trust issue. Then where, where they don't trust Wooten then. To make that tackle, so then they're overcompensating it's, as well. Like it, so. mi-
2: it mightn't even mean because I know there's there's obviously a spotlight on on wooden for over Zebo mm. as a selection decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, Less so with uh, Marshall and Scannell but certainly the wooden one stands out. Yeah, um, and there was always going to be a discussion about that win or lose because it was a very 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 big call yeah Um, but beside that it just really had the look of people just like I need to get to that corner and not thinking in terms of team and perhaps just communication Um, but who who knows but at that point right so so however it led to it at that point it's pretty much game over yeah Um, and Racing just said yeah well Grant we'll light up a couple of smokes and defend for the rest of the game
3: yeah that's which was from my end of things I was like what are they doing they can actually rack up a score here if they keep going here they were not getting much of a reaction from the Munster guys we can we can blitz this and make it like because we looked at the day before and it was like wow we wouldn't have thought, seen that scoreline beforehand but again same with this I actually mm. thought this was going to be even the closest game of the two and it could have been a hell which it turned out to be but it could have been a hell of a lot uh, worse for Munster you know mm. and going forward the French can't do that in the final but um to backed themselves the way they defended um, again I know we should kind of focus on Munster but you've got to give such credit to the French the way they chopped tackle, they came off the line yeah. with such ferocity line speed um, Munster just looked um, confused um, bamboozled a little bit in terms of like oh shit they're coming up here a little, little bit of panic set in perhaps um, the Accuracy of passes wasn't there. A lot of balls went to ground. They kind of got in. They kind of did what Munster do to teams, and they got in amongst them. They rattle them and mm. made them become individuals. When Munster. As collectively, are way stronger, hmm. and just c- credit to the, c- the coach and staff again at Racing, and be a Dunner, Dunners in there as well, having a chat about look if we can frustrate them. But to sit back in the line, I think Munster missed a few few tricks um, to not score before half time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought everyone should have known their jobs in in terms of okay, we're going to be uh, very aggressive uh, at picking and going we're going to be very close. We're going to be very Munster-esque in twenty two and. Yes, if someone's going to pick and go, you got to have someone with them. And the French, again, were targeting breakdown and getting a lot of joy.
2: Yeah, this game is going to mislead future uh, generations yeah. when they look back because they'll see 27-22, they'll see Munster with 69% possession and with 77% territory. But anyone who actually watched the game at the time or who watches the tape in future will know that this game was over. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was an absolute walloping. And that contrast is interesting, Jimmy. Like, it, Racing really did look as if they were just sitting back. They sent Dan Carter on for a bit of tackle practice.
3: Yeah, and like we talked about it last week about when's he going to come on, what's he going to do. And he came on, and he wouldn't be renowned for his tackling prowess, but he made one superb tackle on a fresh Simon Zebo um, yeah. uh, from, a, from a backfield mm. kick. Zebo's running, and you're kind of going. Uh, a, a Zeebo in full flight against uh, an elderly Dan Carley but made a textbook tackle and just it's just stopped Munson's momentum every time okay we'll look at some of the incidents that perhaps may have gone on uh, Robin Copeland's um, or Zebo's pass to uh, Robin Copeland uh, was a forward was a borderline but still the French just seemed in complete control mm. You you were saying that it looked worse than it was Yeah I think <laughs> when someone's running at that pace and to put Robin Copeland is a good bit away from him and to get that pass is extremely difficult skill but to give it more zip to give it more power you can see Simon Zebra pulls backwards just to get like a tennis shot I guess kind of get the forehand into to, to it The follow through correct Yeah, yeah. But, it, but he pulls away from the line and to to cut across it and he pulls back and his hands go across and it just looks worse it looks like he pulls out of it and it looks forward straight away when it leaves his hand I'd like to see it again because I didn't actually um, focus on it too long but look again we're, we're clutching at a couple of things when Oh, what could have been, but like um, Conway's try at the end, so sure, there's no back there's no one at yeah, home. They, yeah. Like, it's done, you know, like they've it's game over, yeah. And yeah. they've switched off. And if it was closer, I don't think that they would get these but opportunities.
2: The, the one I'd love to see was if, if that if the clock had still been running, would the would Munster have had the the nouse to say to the referee, um, who was Irish, uh, we're refusing any conversion for a try. Mm. straight Straight back back. Mm. you know because again heat of battle stuff these are the big decisions but it wasn't to be Um, I swear Ian Keighley didn't have his best game uh, which is a pity because he's had a hell of a season and uh, perhaps that drop goal attempt was a a summary and the the touch kick that that missed from penalty Um, it just wasn't a great
4: yeah, it wasn't a great day at the office. Because I remember, like against Leicester when they played at Welford Road, he, he kind of had a penalty that didn't go to touch as well, and then but rebounded from that and did really well. But he had a bad start and just never recovered from it as well. And um, yeah, that that was the one. Like it's that whole phase of play where they got the penalty that was k- very kickable, uh, you know, around the twenty-two, and they decided to go for the the, the line attacking line out and then after two or maybe three phases max they just thought for some reason we're going to drop in front of the goal like what was the point of then kicking for the line here if you weren't going to go through the phases and put them under pressure but I, I think James has kind of said it you know, right there it's like the pressure that Racing put on them made, made like made sure that Munster started playing like individuals, so guys were making their own plays going, we're getting knocked back here, I have to do something, rather than kind of trusting each other and saying, let's just keep holding on to the ball. I don't know why they went after three phases to go for a drop goal, poorly executed. I think it was Ben got out, Um, it was one of the forwards got out and blocked it down, and then they were kind of scrambling backwards, and then you had Scannell just kind of, maybe because he saw they were backpedaling, Mm -hmm. they're back in the 22, I'm going to take a shot at goal here, and just a,
3: a comedy of errors. So sometimes you're in a position like that just for to kind of maybe look at the mindset of why you're going to try and take your points you're talking cup games sometimes there's a momentum that needs to be stopped so you just need to get in the scoreboard regardless mm. of how you get there um, because ultimately if you're going to get a couple of points it could be the difference and normally in a cup semi-final you expect it to be tight so if you get into the green zone of a 22 you need you need to come out with some points and you want to come out with some points so if you're banging your head against the wall and you're getting nowhere just get, just keep the scoreboard ticking over. Because if you mm-hmm. get a drop goal, you get two, two drop goals or a penalty and drop goal. That's six points. There's your try. Like, and you're working, you're working your balls off to try and get that five points. Yeah. But if you can get an easy three points an easy three points, you're just eating away into the. Like, you're getting yourself back into it, especially at that stage. You know, it's just small things uh, in mindset of right. We're in here. Let's get, let's get points. Let's get back and go again. You know, mm-hmm.
2: I, I think the piece about the, I think that's really interesting what you say about the mentality aspect of just getting any sort of points at that stage because there, there was still plenty of time yep. it's, the execution was, was the problem with that one it just looked all wrong and on yep. a different day Keatley's brain is going to work differently he's going to say it is not yeah, yeah, you know, and we just we just try again. This is not on this time, but that was not happening.
4: Cause you, yeah, he was almost under the post. You know, it, was yeah, not, yeah. it wasn't like he would drop back a couple of yards. He was no. just that had, to, that had to go straight open air. Yeah, yeah. You know? mm.
2: um, okay, and I said we did mention that there was an Irish ref. uh We that was definitely picked up by the French media for <laughs> the game. That even though JP Doyle works for the RFU, uh, he was be refereeing an Irish team. Um. Is and I want to compliment referee. Where it's Jew, the man can speak a bit of French.
3: Yeah, apparently he's. Gone back and did an A level French, yeah. um, and you he could hear it. And I thought he communicated extremely well with um, with both sides. And some I've had JP as a ref loads of times, and sometimes like I used to try and use a bit of Irish influence over him, you know, and just have a chat with him before and stuff like that. Did it work? Um, no, something because I was going to say sometimes the ref is so has it in the back of his mind that he nearly goes against. I'm not saying he does, but you can do go against. Your natural thing that oh everyone's going to expect me to go with the Irish team here, and you nearly look to go the other way to kind of. So is this where the Munster fans even, uh, are
2: waking up, blaming the Leinster man mm. for their defeat? <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: what about what actually? I was thinking, what about that? Um, like, do you think like it wasn't it wasn't that controversial in the end? But like the idea of like Reese Marshall, you think his try should have been chalked off because he ran straight at Doyle? and then didn't get no, tackled use it,
3: like no use him as a buffer completely and I thought again JP Doll, funny comment like going oh, well played you use me as a buffer you can't use that it was cute it was smart yeah. but maybe on another day with a with a not as reliant or um, aware referee you might get away with it but that was mm-hmm. look you have to come back for that to be honest right uh,
2: joining us on the line now is Dunika Ryan fresh off a semi-final win yesterday Duncker, how are you
5: uh, good thanks, good, good. Uh, b- a bit sore and stiff, but uh yeah, not too, not too bad, not, not too bad.
2: Uh was the match yesterday a match like any other or uh, did that was that a bit different?
5: Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot a lot different. Um yeah, I was um since before it's like playing against um Monster was a really strange situation. Um, you know the pl- you know all, all the players so well. Um, you know their habits um, and uh, what, they're, what they're trying to do. And history, I you know they were creating things uh, on the pitch that you really had to be sharp sharp on. Um, but like you know, it was, it was obviously a you know, massive high pressure game. Um, just even coming in on the bus uh, beforehand. Just hearing the face of Roy and the and um, all the supporters, uh, and hit the side of the bus. You know, was, was was it was just fantastic. I think even our players uh, fell off that as well. And um, yeah, it was just it was just a great day. And all, I think both sides of the supporters really were, you know, really enjoying the sunshine. And um, obviously had a, had, a, had a good lot of wine taken in, which was which was which was just great. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a very tough game on the pitch and. Uh, yeah it was, it, was, it was pretty hot
2: pretty hot now especially for myself the um and someone did someone really throw, throw a slither down onto the pitch when you went over to the Munster fans <laughs> yeah
5: yeah they did yeah. yeah so um yeah I don't know if try, throw it to me I tried trying to try hop it off my head <laughs> but uh, yeah so um yeah no um, basically uh, I use a I use a, I use a hockey ball as a as a, a trigger point uh for uh, for recovery and uh, my, a lot of my hockey balls have been gone have been missing inside the club so uh, I've been using a slitter so I uh, know nobody nobody has a slitter so I've been using that and uh, somebody picked up on it recently enough uh, for one reason or another but uh, so they fired a a knee arrow slitter onto the pitch and um so it's, it's I think enough now if they've two of them know it, so they can go for a few pucks without the risk of losing us that's good <laughs> so, yeah. um
2: in terms of homework before the game uh, it looked as if Rassing had done a serious job on monsters lineup.
5: um I, yeah i, I don't I don't know um, we if we do a lot of we do a lot of lineups during the week um sort of try um a coach uh, and our trials, he uh, tries to do a lot of um every uh movement that uh that position do and uh, tries to do tries to, you know do it in training and it, it is it can quite get quite a bit long uh, but i suppose um look we got which is sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't um you know and we got luckily enough we got we able to get a couple of theirs uh yesterday and um and you know, just as I said, like some days you're lucky some days you don't, but um, I thought like you know towards there so many lines there you know your percentages of focus you you're actually getting one of them do go up so you're you're you just hope to get one or two but um, they they got you know, like, a good few hours as well, and just got sort the of caliber of of, uh, of of jumpers and um and and towers that are in there That it it was. It was um a really good contest and um yeah, it was it was uh just look some 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 of them come off, some of them come off and some of them um some of them don't. But luckily we had a, a few good ones yesterday.
3: Hey hey donors, Jimmy here. Um just like you talk about, um a look and no luck there, but certainly something that wasn't luck was just a uh, the way you defended, um, that ferocity that you brought and I think you look at the chop tackles, um, and how you tar- targeted that breakdown, was that a huge focus uh, during the week? Uh,
5: um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We um once there, I suppose we learned from learned massive from the uh Urena game, which like we are probably for honest, we were lucky to win. Um that m- once when after first phase ball they literally could have done anything they wanted after uh and the next phase, um so we we'll really try to to bear up um and, and, and really target the, the first the first the first pick on I suppose. Uh and it kinda of, kind of allowed our um our forwards to get a fold. Um so like, I suppose like any team really, if you're able to you know yourself if you bear up a twelve you're able to the forwards are able to fold around a lot easier. But if if it's a soak tackle the forwards have to go an extra five yards deeper to try and get the fold and you know and, and the way the Monster was so well drilled and the presentation for the ball from Murray um, it, it's very very hard to defend so I think that was um, that was a big plus for us his yesterday and something I think that really helped us in the first half uh, at the end of at the end of the first half I should say and uh, going into the second half and um, look uh, yeah it was just it was, just, uh, it, was, it, was re- it was really good but uh, there was definitely a of of defence we need to work on you know to try and, uh try and build towards uh, going to
4: the final what, like, there's an image there like that was um, I think Sportsfile took it of just the, the Munster lads all just having a conference under the posts when the third try was scored and some of the guys look shell shocked some of the guys were trying to take water on as well but what are you thinking then when, when Mashino was lining that up and you guys are 21 points to 3 up um, after 21 minutes what's what's going through your head uh,
5: that's what I was thinking was what the hell is Han- Tilly Thomas doing with firing the That back imagine <laughs> 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 <She laughs> under the post <laughs> Uh, it's actually, it don't, it don't forget, um, uh, in my broken friend I "Don't forget Cass, because uh, you know a bit of a mistake against Cass uh, away, and it's kind of us. But um, no, he's he's a he's an unbelievably talented player, Teddy, and God, like he can create something out of nothing. It's just even seeing him in training, it's um, it's it's unbelievable to see, and he's a he's a great he's a great talent, and he's. Yeah, no, he's, he's such an extrovert guy, he's always happy go lucky, um, you know, even in the dress from the day and the, the skateboard going around stranger when you're like that. <laughs> I don't know if you, you take it easy in case somebody got, in, got injured or something, but that's uh, that's the way he is and um he's a very happy very happy go lucky guy. But I think from our point of view, um you know, that was just our purple patch. and uh, we just got very lucky and um, I think just on the outside, and obviously Teddy stepped in on it for his hit uh, stepped in on, off not too unbelievable side steps and I uh, was able to get under the post. But um, we, we knew months we were going to come back hard, like, you know, they were uh, like unbelievably uh, well drilled and very, very fit guys as well. And uh, I think what was telling was we were able to hold out that. Um, Oh, it was just before half time, and that really really helps a lot, and um, to give us a bit of momentum going in at half time. And Dunica, and, um, oh sorry,
4: oh. I was going to say, Dunica. Yeah, after the game, then did, did Tama, did you, did you guys ask him why you threw, threw the ball away to machino Did he have an explanation or a reason why? Uh,
5: no, no, it's just it he's
3: just, French. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Having the, the grey, uh, yeah, exactly. It's gonna uh, be it's gonna be an interesting uh, one there, Donors, uh, when you have uh, Zeebo and him together. Because I was gonna say they'll be trying to outdo each other each week coming into coming into uh, training. Yeah, uh, exactly. There'll be loads of zumba going on in, in, the, in the weights room. No, no, the two
5: guys dancing the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, no. It's, to be honest, to be honest, uh, yeah, they're, they're they're good mates. They've actually got and all this together. Um, I think before at uh, Doneritz and. uh yeah look he like that I think uh, he's a young 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 guy and it's actually you know and supporters love it as well and um, look it's um, just literally just uh, expressing how he he, um, how he plays I suppose and and uh, he's their own so um, yeah look it's it was it was you know, it was unbelievable talent to do that I'm sure Max is delighted to get a, 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 a very easy drive but um, I, was early, um, I had a bit of a hair check myself when he fired it back but um, but yeah no it was, it, was, it was as I said it was really good for us all whole was just before half time and I think just that, was that three points at the start of the second half um, was was very very important like it was just kind of just to get us on the on the board which I suppose that's disappointing from our point of view was the performance Attack-wise, after that, like we lost so many ball and contact afterwards, we tried to offload too much and um, I think that was, that was the most disappointing part of it, like, you know, we're already didn't really, uh, we didn't really really stick it more in the second half than we would have liked and uh, that's something we're probably going to have to look at uh, today in the video. So. Yeah, that
3: was yeah. Gonna, I was going to say something about that, Dunners, because it looked to me that if you kept going the way you'd gone the first half, it was going to be, like... Jeez, you could have gone up to 50 points but it looked as if you were kind of like happy with the lead you had and you were just kind of holding on it, like it was, you didn't fire a shot second half really um, they, was it something said at half time just to kind of I know you, just before the end of the first half you had a great defensive effort but then from second half was it in was it something said that right we'll just hold on here now and and see it out or you just nothing happened or was this Munster brought it to you or what was it
5: it's funny, Jimmy, because sometimes they, uh, they just turn it on. less <laughs> us just turn it on the next minute. They just—it's it's, a lot of the games we've done this season. We've just we've um, literally turned it on for about ten minutes, and then uh, literally the next rest of them we coast along. Which kind of is one, one game I can—I can—I think we only we really put it together was the Claremont home game, yeah. where we we pumped them over with sixty points and. Um, also, it was. Um, yeah, sometimes I think it's a real work on for us. I think it was just you know we to have the, the, the players' the ability to do it is just to keep keep doing the um, the basics well. And I think um, sometimes I think when guys and it's, it's, just the, it's just the French mentality as well is that when they're a few, few points ahead, they literally will try the the eighty twenty pass, the ninety ten ninety percent 10 percent pass. that's you know, I want to take. They'll go for it, and um, we tried to do that a few times. I think we um, did there with a bit of Fijian uh, blood with Leone trying to offload with three lads hanging all of them. that um, happened twice that really were massive momentum swingers from, from our point of view, and uh, you know, it just gave most of it a bit of belief. And um, then when they get that try, and we, we, we uh, kicked off the restart. Like you know. You see you see um I think it was Robin Coburn made a massive break up the park down there after the restart and sorry Murray and then he ripped it across the uh Robert I think and then James Cronin offloading loading. You know, it was you know, there was the, the months were really were um they were were the showlift didn't score immediately there again. But um okay, that's the thing I mean, Um I think that's we have switched off at of times this this year, and uh, I think it's definitely something we have to work on. You know, when we when we um, we don't have a that we're able to you know not cause as much um, damage to ourselves. I think.
2: Right. Well, listen. Um, congratulations on making the final against Leinster, May twelfth. Uh, we look forward to seeing you play there. Thank you, Donica Ryan.
5: Thanks very much, cheers Thanks.
2: Coming up next, Keith Earls is popping into the studio for a chat with Pat. <laughs>
5: The
4: Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. Welcome back to the Hard Yards. I'm Pat McCarry and I'm delighted to be joined in studio today by none other than Keith Earls. Keith, how are you getting on after after a tough old weekend? I've been have been a lot better Pat <laughs>
6: unfortunately bad circumstances were
4: here, our know. yeah but was it we might just rip off that band-aid and, and get, get the Munster game out of the way first um, you know we were lucky to be chatting there with uh, Dunneke Ryan there about the game and uh, just a lovely image of you guys hugging it out at the end like at the end of it all is just you know you must be happy to see him progress but good it for yourselves it must have been a tough, tough one to take yeah it was, it was
6: you know that was my sixth European semi final um and it doesn't get any easier uh, yeah look I'm obviously great friends with Duncan. Um massive respect for him and you know you, you could nearly see by him he was sickened for us you know because no matter who he plays for he's still a, a true monster man and I think if, if Rassing didn't have done it yesterday, we, we probably would have won. <laughs>
4: yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, it, I know I was saying Nianga was getting a lot of the the credit for getting his hands on a couple of line-outs, but you probably suspect that Dunica was one of the architects behind that, that piece being targeted so much.
6: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think between Dunica and Billy and Pete over the last couple of years, they would have had obviously a massive hand on, on the Munster line-out and you know they did know each other inside out and I suppose Dunnock and Billy having a bit of mind games during the week but um, <clears throat> yeah look he he was massive from, and even I think it was just before time before half time we had we had a line out and CJ went through the middle of the line out and lo and behold it's, <laughs> it's Dunnock who ta- tackles him just before the line you know and I think if he wasn't there I I think I don't think the French teams do as much research or analysis as, as teams and Donica Ryan's a freak when it comes to that stuff.
4: The the last thing before I kinda of move off that game and we, we will never speak of it again here for the next for the next chat is the uh that walk um, to the dressing rooms like Munster put it up beforehand it's it's almost like a kilometre like um, what are you guys thinking about when you're getting up there at half time are you guys trying to process information and chat about details on the way or is it just head down get back to the dressing room as quick as you can yeah no obviously there was a, a bit of chatting going on but I think the main
6: thing was because of the heat we were getting fluids on quite quick we were getting ice packs on our neck and cold towels over our head and I suppose just just reflecting on what had happened and mm-hmm. I suppose what what messages we, we could give to each other to I suppose to start the second half better
4: and I suppose now just moving away from that I remember last time I spoke to yourself um I think you were coming back from one of the injuries me and you were chatting down at Telman Park and uh, a couple of years back and you, sure look you came back you were flying form and great season for, for Ireland and Munster there as well uh, possibly one of your best in, in years although you were good last season as well but I remember speaking to you about your, your father Jair, who um, you know played as well played for Munster but never kind of got that cap for Ireland a lot of Munster fans would say he deserved to play for Ireland as well just tell me a little bit of what, what it was like to see like you probably would have watched him when you were real younger as a player but do you remember seeing much of his games when you were growing up? yeah
6: I, that's all I remember as a young fella is is, is going to these games and you know I, I used to do the kicking tee for you once I used to run out to Edna Hollerin and and, and Mick Lynch you know when they were playing in, in the AIL I went to every training session with my father he took me to away games um, it's all I remember I was constantly with him like you know and the AIL was huge back then and I suppose he pro- he probably was a, a big name and, and known as a hard man and I was just delighted and I suppose proud pro- to be his son and be around him.
4: And, and do you look at it now like cause he's a guy like he played I think a couple of years but he would have stayed maybe amateur when it went professional as well but a guy you maybe deserved if, if the game had been a professional to have a nice life for himself and stuff but yet he had to still work away and now only like 10-15 years on you were the son and you got to live that professional life it's kind of weird the way two different kind of lives went he could have maybe deserved to be that guy earning decent money and stuff for himself as well
6: yeah I've I've had plenty of chats with him about it you know what you hear rumours about his, where he was from. He had a couple of tattoos, and <laughs> you know. But I suppose if if you ask my father himself, he 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 told me he he probably could have worked a bit harder himself. You know, he probably. You know, I think he his friends and where he came from meant a lot to him, and you know, playing rugby and you know for a few points afterwards was was all he wanted. You know, and. I suppose going to his, his local pope. you know drinking was a, a big culture back then but you know yeah I, I do personally think myself because I, I was old enough watching him and I remember certain players getting called in ahead of him and he just couldn't believe it but look I I don't think we'll ever know why he didn't get capped or he didn't get more games for for um, for Munster but um. If you ask him, he'll probably be a bit too humble and say he he could have worked harder. But you know, fr- from living with him, I think he you know he worked hard. We he built a, a gym out the back of our house oh, really? and, and stuff like that. So, but as I said, yeah, he'll he'll be too humble and say he could have worked harder and probably they have to drink a small <laughs> bit more
4: <laughs> it's a funny thing like the like, you know when you often talk with certain players you might say the, the Dubliner or whatever it's often for Keith Earls it's like the Moy Ross native or Keith Earls from Ar- it's it's almost linked with who you are as well it's, what was it kind of like growing up there you know is it still somewhere that you kind of you know live close to or you kind of live nearby have friends from the area as well yeah obviously
6: you know my parents don't live there anymore they're living in Melick, but you have to pass Myros to to get out there and I'd of, often take the left turn and go up and have a look at my old house or whatever, but it's half the place it used to be. You now with the regeneration that came in a couple of years ago. You know, the, and knocked a lot of houses and been told more houses were going to be built, and and that didn't happen. So um, like I'm like, I'm on the other side of the city. You now it's 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 close to training, and um, I've been out with my wife now close to ten years, and. Look, we, we we love it out there. Um, I'd probably the house I'm in now. You know, we we built it two years ago, and it's our it's our house for life now. You know, but as I said I d- I still do have lots of fun memories uh, growing up in Muras, and I enjoy. Meeting people when I'm driving through, and, and some of the characters and some of the lads I'd grown up with, but we went separate ways.
4: It's funny actually because I was saying I was reading the Bruce Springsteen book recently, and he still goes back to his old neighbourhood and drives around it and just to get a feel for the place as well. So it probably, probably never leaves you, yeah. But the the thing I wanted to go back is like we're here chatting to you today because you're up for Zurich uh, Players Player of the Year awards, and you're here to kind of talk about those awards. But before we go on to that, I wanted to go back to last summer. Um, unlucky not to make that line squad, you're probably kinda of good at not to make it because you're in good form as well, but you buckled down, went away in that summer tour and you're thrown in there with a, another lad and the other wing called Jacob Stockdale and I, I talked to him at the start of the season for the hard yards and he said that um you're absolutely like brilliant to him in terms of giving your time up and giving him advice as well. What has it been like to kind of for yourself to go on that tour and also to kind of see these young lads coming through as well. Yeah, look it was it was it's brilliant to
6: get get on any Irish tour you know and and rack up the the caps but that that tour was probably one of the best tours I was on you know and I think personally um, you know to kind of help out young lads who you know I would have been young on on a couple of Churchill Cups and you know having a, a couple of fellas help me out and you know I suppose returning returning the favour to the to younger lads now and um He's had a phenomenal season and he's um he's up for the the, the Zorak Jung player mm. of the year as well. So, you know, there's I think James Ryan is there as well, like yeah, you know, and uh, Jordan yeah. and like when you're leaving out the likes of Dan Levy it was mentioned, Dan yeah. Dan Levy and you know Rory Scanlon Blown Monster, you know, there there's so many and I think Irish rugby's in a in a great place at the moment and well, getting back to that tour yeah it was brilliant work working with the younger lads and I suppose getting to know them before a lot of the lines players and they ask me what they're about and I'm telling them you're going to know all about it when you see them and it was great that a lot of them were involved in the Grand Slam this year
4: yeah that's it because like, it's it's the thing that Stockdale mentioned as well is that at the end he, he had the two he had the jersey and he said you gave him a jersey at the end to say go and swap that if you have to like um, just kind of a nice little touch was there was there ever somebody who would do that with you when you first broke into the Ireland team that was kind of put you under the wing yeah look it's your first cap and you
6: get two jerseys like and you kind of you know, I would have given one to to my parents, obviously, and, a, and another one to my aunt. And Jacob was going to swapping his one, and he's obviously had a few. And I was just thinking it'd be nice for his parents to have one, and I suppose him for to keep one himself. But I actually got that from from Dunakarain. Dunakarain, used to always do that for a new capper as well, oh, you yes. know. And um, I thought it was a lovely touch, and. I suppose it's something something that we're doing now like you know and it's it's a precious thing you know and having to to swap your first Irish jersey you know you, you want to hold on to but then you play against someone you respect you'd like their jersey as well and you know just an opportunity to to help him
4: out yeah it's good and, and the like I suppose the thing is we, we talked to Donica. he was saying he's a, a new father there as well and I was even at the Aviva you saw the likes of Sean Cronin Devin Toner bringing out their kids as well and we saw Paul O'Connell he did it near the end of his career how good is that do you, would you do it often like for the big games or would you kind of like having the family around getting the you know your young ones into the dressing room and stuff at the end of the games
6: yeah it's, it's great having them around you know and you know my, my wife dragged them around the whole Six Nations you know I think <laughs> think I should give my, my medal to her for <laughs> what she goes through because she, she's heavily pregnant now again or no, third so you know it's great having them around like and I, I know it can be a, I suppose not hassle like but tough getting a, a two year old on a flight and a six year old and feeding them and organising everything but when I'm at home now and I'm looking at the mental piece and I see them walking around with me when I'm holding the cup you know their their memories that that can never be taken away from us no.
4: and, and that's it like the the tour coming up to Australia as well like there'll be you know I was only talking to somebody that's, you know we might from afar say let's rest up some of these lads let's rest Sexton or Murray or something like that but you guys are probably all telling Joe Schmidt I'm good to go to Australia like have a word the family quickly but I'm going off to Australia for three weeks
6: yeah yeah definitely you know if there's any chance to put on if you're going to the moon to play for Ireland you, you, you want to be there you know and Look, we'll we'll get a couple of weeks off at the end of the season, you know, and I think I think fellas are are mad to go on tour and mad to keep playing games is because we're well looked after here as well, you know, and you know Joe and the coaches and the provinces have a good relationship that <clears throat> we're not put out there week in week out and you know keeps us fresh and keeps us jumping at the bit
4: and and for in terms of Munster now I know I think Pete, Pete O'Manty was saying after the game you're sick and tired of learning lessons and stuff but you have an Inter Pro coming up um, you've got the Pro 14 to focus on as well that's got to be the thing now for you guys where you know this is all the chips are going in on the Pro 14 and you want to get to a final and beyond yeah you know and Pete's dead right you know we
6: we can't put our finger on what's going on with us in Europe and when we get to these big games you know but we'll we'll have a look at, at the game yesterday and see how we can improve and as you said a massive game against Ulster this weekend and potentially a, a quarter final against Ulster or Edinburgh and potentially a semi final <laughs> against Leinster you know so there's, there's plenty of massive games to play for and there is a trophy at the end of the season you know and that's that's something we'll, we'll go hard for. for hard at
4: and, and yourself and Robbie Henshaw two guys made almost miracle recoveries we were almost writing you off until the end of the season but um, yeah just cr- like how did you get back so quickly like what kind of work was done in the background to get you fit again yeah I think I was blessed that um, you know once they were
6: in South Africa and there was one of our physios left behind Ray McGinley and you know, a lot of credit has to has to go to him because you know I had one-on-one treatment with him um, for two weeks. The lads were away, and you know we we got back a week earlier than 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 expected. You know, and um, look, and and Robbie's the same. I think that's it's all about being professional. And I was asked a question there when you get injured. I think a couple of years ago, so fellas, fellas used to relax and say, "Look, I'm not going to be playing for a couple of weeks." Whereas, whereas now you're, you know, you're more busy and you're trying to find ways how you get back earlier, mm. if it's between eating or if it's between extra massages or extra physio. And um, I've no doubt that's that's what Robbie's done as well because I, I know him well and he's a, a phenomenal professional and. I suppose he he was a bit of a freak the weekend as well for a fellow who was out for ten weeks, you know.
4: And and then as we mentioned there just earlier, the yourself, um, Tighe Furlong, Conor Murray, Johnny Sexton all up for the Zurich uh, Rugby Players Ireland Player of the Year Award Um that's coming up in Dublin next month, isn't it? So if you, now you got nominated, is that kind of a nudge to Johan and say, Can I come up for the ceremony next month as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look um
6: look, it it's great to be nominated, you know, by by the players in Ireland and look it's tough competition between three lines players, you know, and I, I think the the three of them lads have been no problem being European or, or world player of the year, they've they've all been phenomenal and look it's been an honor to to be to be up there with them but look it's it, it's gold medals I'm after at the end of the season, not individual words. Good stuff.
4: All right, listen, great stuff, Keith. Nice having you in. Um, Thanks for coming on to the show and best of luck for the rest of the season. Andy and James are back to talk to Pro 14 Permutations and we'll also take a look at your listener questions.
3: The hard
2: yards.
4: Now, when the cups are decided, you have fine weather, but that's probably a
2: two month period. You have to do the hard yards. Hey, that's the name of the show. Excuse the pun.
4: No, that's perfect. (laughs) We're going to use that (laughs) name.
0: I'm on a bonus for that, definitely. Get that in.
4: The Hard Yards.
2: The Hard Yards. On Sports Joe. Welcome back to the Hard Yards. Um, We are looking forward to the final round of Pro 14 league games. Uh, There's a few teams locked in and there's a few teams not locked in. So we're going to go through what it would be now. So the Pro 14 playoffs as of today, if nothing changed, would be Leinster get a buy into the semis versus the winner of Munster at home to Edinburgh. And it would be Glasgow at home with a buy into the semis versus Scarlets at home to Cheetahs. Now, in Conference A, uh, Glasgow are locked in at first, Munster are locked in in second. Cheetahs are five ahead of Cardiff. Cardiff can overtake Cheetahs. If Cardiff get a bonus point win, and Cheetahs get no match points because the tiebreaker in the Pro 14 is wins, not uh, points difference that's yeah that's okay. the model we're it catches here. people every year wins not points it. difference yeah so a lot of people's beds are made
3: once it gets to uh, once it gets to tight on Manchester. These are the points. small things that really piss Andy off. That <laughs> yes. It they it do. Tries. Why don't people understand this? <laughs> yeah. It's wins. It's wins. I love looking
2: at like this. Uh, Conference B. Leinster are essentially locked into first. So we're going to treat them as locked. Mm. Um, second, third, fourth. Scarlets, Edinburgh, Ulster. Scarlets, 65 points. Edinburgh, 64. Ulster now on 60 after a couple of big wins. Yeah. They've, in fairness to them, season of turmoil. They've put themselves in an interesting place. Uh, Scarlet's um, Scarlet's and Edinburgh Edinburgh have the tiebreaker okay? Edinburgh actually have more wins than Scarlet's as of now so Scarlet's cannot take it easy away to Dragons, they need to lock up a win and preferably a bonus point to stop bad things happening um, Edinburgh if they got a bonus point at home to Glasgow give themselves a really really good chance of good things happening and getting into that second place which would be a home semi-final um, Ulster are at 60 points Uh, Ulster would need to they need to do big things against Munster away
4: yeah interesting to see a Munster respond Mm. and the uh, Pro 14 is the only thing they have going for them now as well so yeah
2: it is Um, so we'll see how all this works out the likely Champions Cup playoff as of now is Ulster against Ospreys for that final slot Um, so that's that's it so that's the zip through how do we feel about that
3: yeah some interesting permutations there um Expect, I expect, uh, I expect, a l- I expect a lot of it to stay as it is. To be honest, yeah. um, I expect Edinburgh to win against Glasgow. It'd be close, but I expect them to win. Um, I don't know Ulster Munster. It's going to be tough again. There's a lot of things we have got to take into account there. How Munster are going to react? Ulster have something to play for, of course. But like Ul- our,
2: Ulster right now are on what you would consider a run. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. season, yeah. I think it's. Is it too little, too late? Um, probably, but I, I expect them just to I they'll have that playoff. Hey, who, did you mention Who? Uh, who's home Home ground or home, so home advantage? So,
2: scarlet's away to Dragons, Edinburgh at home to Glasgow. Oh, no, yeah, but I mean,
3: in, if, Star- it, if it comes into the playoff.
2: Sorry. Okay, so Munster, as of now, it's be Munster being their home, so they're second place in Conference A, and they play, they play the third place in Conference B right Mm. so right now that would be Edinburgh and then it would be Scarlets who are currently second versus Cheetahs who are currently third in Conference A right so Edinburgh are playing to essentially play Cheetahs at home versus playing Munster away Away, right so they've got a huge card huge card and Glasgow have nothing to play for they're locked in so Mm -hmm. they've got you know okay we don't want to get whooped by our rivals but they've got nothing to play for here,
3: so this will be interesting this weekend.
4: Yeah, I can still see Glasgow winning that, though. Yeah, you
3: could, yeah, yeah especially on yeah. the size. performance against oh, Ulster. Ulster. Yeah, they they, they to certainly to. wouldn't have been happy with that, now. No. And, and as you say,
2: um, and Ulster are losing a couple of players to retirement. Uh, Tommy Bowe got a great reception when he yeah, came on.
4: Yeah, good to see at the end of that game,
2: yeah. Yeah, and Paul Marshall has announced his intention to to retire as well. So James Downey's one word tributes oh, to class. retiring players, right? There <laughs> uh, there you go. Mull One word tribute to Mull Horse John Muldoon Horse uh, Tommy Bow
3: Tommy's tough um, Phenomenon Phenomenon hmm. Okay Paul Marshall Beagle Why Nickname
2: Okay Uh Callaghan Don't know General General Okay Interesting um, Jimmy doesn't have to explain these thank, was, thank, no, God the thank God <laughs> uh, Moving on to the social media questions uh, Be sure to follow us on Twitter at THYRugby and use the hashtag AskTHY if you want to send us in a question for next week Okay There was a really interesting piece by Peter O'Reilly in the Sunday Times that mm-hmm. said that uh, Joe Schmidt and David Nussifora arrived at Leinster <coughs> HQ last week and told Leo, brought him into a dark room, and said, <laughs> um, one of Joey Carberry or Rossburn is going to be at Ulster next season. You have to call. Um, Peter is reporting that Leinster were not best pleased by the timing of this visit, as you might imagine, Champions Cup weekend. But this is now something a little more solid than the previous chats that we've been having. So we've got a few questions in about this. I'm going to ask the one from uh, Sean Reynolds. Are Ulster better to take Byrne as a solid established 10 who can tutor uh, McPhillips or take a potentially more risky option in Carberry due to his relative inexperience at 10? It would fill the Pietro void nicely and gives Ulster a similar situation to Leinster for positional play. Gentlemen, what's the better move here is it Ross Byrne or is it Joey Carberry going north
3: well, well what's the better move for who for Ulster it's 100% Ross Byrne. Yeah? yeah yeah um, he when Johnny's away he's the guy who steps up and he's f- so consistent mm-hmm. in how he plays um, like you never talk about Ross Byrne really having a bad game because he does everything percentage wise he's very safe kicks his goals um it's a type of ten that also needed the moment. What if Leo? If I was Leo, I'd want. I'd nearly prefer if Joey went, um, because when Johnny's away, Ross plays. Um, are you going to have Joey? Ross is going to be yeah. involved. As well, consistently with, with Um Carby's going to be away. Johnny's going to be away. So if you're losing two tens, you have to, you have to blood through another ten. Who's uh, be like Colm Marsh or whoever's uh, Kieran Forall there now as well. Um, so for me, it's a, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, it's the safe option. It's the it's the right option. If they did have a choice, I don't think either player would particularly want to leave. To be honest. Mm. Um, because they're both they're both established in how they're doing things, but I think it's a tough one because it's someone's going to have to be forced to go somewhere. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on a now, but
4: yeah, I was just like thinking for someone like Carberry, like he's probably looking at Sexton, thinking Sexton might just go up to the World Cup, you know, twenty nineteen. So he just had to hang on for another season, and then he's the man who's going to be Leinster number ten, and you know, get a few bit more game time next season. So. Yeah, you'd be livid if you were told that you were going to have to head up north, and especially to a team that are um, have been a mess for the last season as well. Like, and you're going to have to, you know, pack your bags and head up the road. So um, you wouldn't be happy with it at all. But at the same time, um, yeah, Ulster would absolutely love that. You know, imagine just getting someone like Joey Carbery handed to you as well, and just saying, okay, he's the man again. But and then Mac Phillips might step in during those international windows as well. So. Um, you know at least you might have Marty Moore and Geordie Murphy there for a bit of company as well like but um you know this would be a real sign of like uh, people often think that Joe Schmidt called the shots for the provinces but if you see one of these boys heading up north you know that that's not Leinster's decision as well so it'll be a very interesting dynamic for the next next couple of years and
3: it's 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 an interesting with my Ireland hat on you, you kind of go right um, and thinking Joe Schmidt wise and Joe Schmidt's been on both sides of this in terms of he's been a Leinster coach he knows what it's like when I want this player and it's like when you're in charge of your province it's like no I'm in charge I'm controlling this I want, my, I want Joey to go and play because if he's back up 10 yeah. you want him to play consistently regardless that's what Ireland with my Ireland hat on I was like ok send Joey mm. yeah, uh, and you'd also want him kicking yeah,
2: exactly. which is an interesting one They used to happen with Ruan Ruin, oh, Pienaar and Paddy Jackson you'd but see Paddy, why is Paddy Jackson yeah. not kicking well it's because Ruan's better we'd have the same thing if Carberry goes north yeah Cooney's kicking extremely well he why is. would you disrupt that so from the Ulster perspective you want Cooney to keep doing what he's doing you want Carberry to be a playmaker mm. from the Ireland perspective you want Carberry kicking yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be whatever happens. This is going to be very, very it's going to interesting be interesting to because
3: I'm sure both players have been spoken to and said, "Would you like to?" And they've obviously kind of gone, mm, "Let me think about it." And kind of who's going to blink first between the two of them until someone goes. You'd wonder about the unions,
2: the, the players' union involved as well. Like you know, are they making sure that there's. Players' rights is too strong a term, right? But you know where I'm going with this.
4: Yep. it was you like because I was just thinking it was like the time the government tried to decentralise and kick everybody out of Dublin, and, and everybody <laughs> civil service, civil service were like that ain't happening. Like so, yeah. you know, same thing. Like uh, you know, what what you know does the union get involved and kind of say it's for the greater good, lads? Come mm. on, come on, right,
2: right. Um, we we'll, we've talked about the well, actually, there's an aspect of the Copeland try or that wasn't um, uh, from Own Hayes would JP Stroke Burns letting that Copeland try play run on have A resulted in a try i.e. no forward pass on TMO
3: and B affected the final result or would Rassing have woken up should it have run on uh, if it did run on say for argument's sake mm. um, yeah it's a kick of the back side but it's momentum in the game but I think that the Rassing side were just too far ahead regardless um, but no I don't think they should have gone back for TMO's Okay. I prefer a referee to make a decision. I think we saw both referees made calls without going to TMO, and his quick nope, grand done. Okay,
4: it definitely would have made for a good finish though, because that yeah, would have been two tries in the space of three or four minutes. So it would have been a grandstand finish then at that stage. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a shame they didn't. Yeah, just go back and have a look at it. But they must have Doyle's looking at Barons. Barons is in line. He's made the so call. Yeah, you got to trust him. It's yeah. that
3: team. But also, I just, I just thought of the uh, there was another one when Robin Copeland. Uh, made a little break and he did a dummy pass and if he'd probably hit Earlsey he might have been away mm. uh, in the second half when they chasing there so opportunities missed.
2: Yep. Uh, Charlie O'Brien uh, did Steph Evans leave a little bit on Ferg for his McFadden when he scored just on half time? For my money yes he did and he absolutely knew what he was doing and there's no place for it but I know that I might be in a minority here.
3: <laughs> there's no place for it. I think if I have okay it was a little bit late it's not blatantly late we've seen a lot more of when someone's run around by the posts and someone blatantly knees in the back or you know mm-hmm. and they've scored a try and then someone slides in for my for my Tuppensworth I want my defender to to p- try and make an effort give a, give a shot what happens if there's a slight percent that he can knock that on or drop it or go into touch or, or whatever and so here's my counter Go on. he slides he's sliding in
2: with his knees so if McFadden does drop the ball that's he, a penalty try
3: you think yeah because he slid in with his knees but if he's, he, in, no, if he's no sliding in hes okay but if he's sliding in to try and hold it up what way is he going to tackle oh chop him and like, doesn't a chop tackle is no good there but has got to go you, in high you've got you go
2: in. into your feet like
3: yeah but he's just trying to get him at an impact he's gone low to the ground he's dives what's mm. he going to do like I, I think for me I don't see anything wrong with it that one I do think it's a bad de- it's a horrible dead leg or mm. m- maybe it's more I don't mm. know but it's just a corker he catches him completely wrong if if it's wet weather it's going to look even horrendous because he's going to spin around probably and <laughs> you know <but laughs> like it's, it's tough. yeah exactly it's like <laughs> but I want my winger to go in there and I don't want him to, to ease off like okay Okay, but, but I can see your I can see merits your argument as well. Uh, you're just being nice, yeah, but I, I win. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, uh, we're running tight, so we'll leave it there. Uh, make sure to use the hashtag Ask if you want to get a question in for next week. So, thanks to Pat, Jimmy, Dunica and Keith, to Alan McNan for producing and Shane Dempsey and Dermot Cronin were on production. We'll be back next Monday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every good podcast app to get it straight to your phone. This has been The Hard Yards. It is not an All-Ireland Champions Cup final. I'm Andy McGeady. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week.
3: The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports
4: Joe.